Hi, this is Winslow. This is Crimson. And if you like what we're doing, hit that like button. And if you want to hear more, subscribe. With this key, you unlock the world to your dreams. What lies beyond could be the doorway to Nightmare. Come in. Welcome. I'm your host through the doorway to Nightmare. The scariest monsters are the ones that lurk within our souls, wrote Edgar Allan Poe. We have all but forgotten the monsters that frightened our parents and grandparents, such as Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman. They have been replaced by real monsters with the names of Gacy, Manson, and Gein. In less than three hours, I will be escorted down that hallway where I will be strapped into a chair and several thousand volts of electricity will kill me. That was the order of the court. There isn't anything that I can do about it. So what I want to know is... Why you were so insistent on seeing me? Because, Doctor, I'm in love with you. <laughs> oh, don't be ridiculous. I'm not. The first time that we met, when you told them I was fit to stand trial, that everything I had told you was completely made up, I fell in love with you. So, hours before your execution, you confessed this love. Why? Because I don't want to see anything happen to you. And what could possibly happen to me? Something very, very bad. Our mystery drama, The Confession, was written especially for Doorway to Nightmare by Winslow Swan and edited by Crimson McKenzie. Our stars include Raven Adams, Crimson McKenzie, Brenna Faith, William Stafford, and Annie Mick. It is sponsored in part by Swanage Press. I'll be back shortly with Act One. We take you now from the kind people that make these productions possible to the monsters that will make it impossible for you to sleep, I hope. Dr. Emily Mason enters the office of Thomas Lansing, warden of the state prison. She is there at the request of a monster who is awaiting execution in the electric chair. Come in, Doctor. Oh, Emily is fine, Warden. And I insist on you calling me Tom. So, I wanted to talk to you first before you saw the prisoner. Can we call him by his given name, please? If you insist. 
I wanted to find out why Paul Drake was so insistent on seeing you. I won't know that until I talk to him. And you are aware that he is to be executed at midnight tonight? Very much aware. I understand that you were the psychiatrist who found him fit to stand trial. Did you follow the proceedings? No, but I was kept abreast of what was going on by the DA. After my testimony, I went back to my private practice and forgotten about Paul Drake until... Yes? I received this letter from him last week. I see now why you wanted to come. According to this letter, he wants to confess something to you. The DA always thought that there were other... victims. Perhaps Paul is ready to show us where they are to give closure to the family. I must confess that I am not comfortable with you seeing him alone. However, against my better judgment, we have a private room for you to meet Mr. Drake. Naturally, we will be monitoring the interview. I understand. I hope so. This man, Paul Drake, is one of the coolest killers that I have ever met in my life. Mr. Drake? I'm Dr. I know who you are. Sit down. So, why am I here? Don't happen to have a cigarette, do you? I quit a year ago. Shame. However, since the circumstances are rather unusual, the warden has allowed me to bring you a pack. I don't suppose he gave you a lighter as well? Yes, he did. But I had to promise not to give it to you. Nice. Calming. You don't seem overly excited. Because I already know what's going to happen. In a little over two hours, I will be escorted down the hallway to a very special room. I will be strapped into a very special chair. And twelve very special people will witness the execution of one Paul Drake. Killer. It's what the sentence was. You had a trial and were found guilty of... of... Murder, Doctor. The word is murder. But I am not a murderer. Then, what would you call driving a wooden stake through someone's chest and removing their heads? Do you think I wanted to do that? For Christ's sakes, it was my wife and her brother. And what of the third person you murdered? It was because of him that I did what I did. And how many others have you killed in this fashion? Oh, oh, I see. The DA must have some unsolved murders, and wouldn't it be nice to wrap everything up and put them on Paul Drake? Have you killed others? Is that the reason you thought that I wanted to see you? Your letter only stated that you had to see me. And you thought that was the reason? I'm still waiting for the reason. Because... Because, Emily, I love you. What? I love you. I fell in love with you at that very first meeting. Why are you telling me this now? Because I don't want anything to happen to you. 
What do you think is going to happen? Tonight, after my execution, there is going to be a bloodbath. And no one will be able to stop it. There have been a number of death row inmates who, for some reason or another, have been contacted by people who have professed their love. Prison marriages happen all of the time, but I don't recall one that happened a mere two hours before an execution. I'll return shortly with Act Two. The world seems full of good men, even if there are monsters in it, wrote Bram Stoker. While Paul Drake, convicted killer, has professed his love to Dr. Emily Mason, does this make him a good man or a monster? You are facing the death penalty, Paul. You are simply wanting to cling to what little life that you have. Spoken like a true psychiatrist. You did just call me Paul, though. I was being civil. And you don't feel anything for me? Mr. Drake, I listened to you three years ago. The story that you told me was fantastic and obviously contrived. But you displayed all of your mental faculties. I had no choice but to find you fit to stand trial. Is that why you came here today? Fine. Then let me tell you the story again. And what of this proof that you talked about in your letter? Did you bring the crime scene photos? And the ones from the medical examiner? It took some doing, but the DA agreed. After I'm finished telling you my story again, you will have your proof. All right, Paul. Tell me again why you murdered three people. Because they were... Vampires. You can see that I am not laughing. And I'm not trying to be funny. Vampires. Oh, really, Mr. Drake? Can't you do a little better than that? I tell you, Doctor, that witches exist, that warlocks exist, and yes, vampires do exist. They are among us working and feeding, which is why... I had to drive a stake through the heart of my wife, her brother, and that other man. That would kill anyone, Paul. As well as cutting off their heads. If the police had not shown up when they did, you would have burned those bodies as well. It had to be done. Burning the remains is the only way to ensure that they wouldn't come back. I don't think that you're going to have to worry about them coming back anytime soon. Are you so sure? What happens to the bodies after they were taken away? I assume that your wife and brother-in-law were buried in the cemetery near your home. The other man was probably kept in storage until family could be found to claim him. He was never claimed, and his body was never buried. And how do you know this? I have my sources. And how do you know that they were vampires? I thought you didn't believe me. Humor me, Paul. (sighs) All right. My wife met this man, this uh, Lance something or other, at the diner where she worked. That is where it all started.
What'll it be? I believe that I will have the special tonight. One special coming up. And your company when you in your shift. <laughs> That's a new one. Oh, I'm very serious. Yeah, aren't you all? Look, I don't date the customers. Besides, you see the ring? Married. My husband doesn't even like me working here. But since the factory closed down... Deborah, I insist that you accompany me. Look, I got other customers. They no longer matter. They no longer matter. Trust me, Deborah. Your husband will no longer matter. Nothing will matter anymore. Her brother was staying with us. I found out a week later that she had quit her job. She was seeing this Lance character every night. Her brother slept all day, and then both of them would disappear. It was then that I found out what they had become. Paul? Paul! Uh, Wake hmm? up! <sighs> what is it? What time is it? I want you, Paul. I want you to join us. Hey, what are you doing? I want you now. Hey, stop that! What are you trying to do? Join us. Get off of me! There is no use in fighting it, Paul. You will be one of us. Debbie won't leave without you. What the hell are you? I think that you already know. Just give in, Paul. There really isn't anything that you can do. And that was when you killed them? I was ready for them. I had followed Debbie one night and saw, Lord, I saw Lance bite her, drink her blood. I was ready. I made the stakes. I surprised them. I'd cut their heads off when the police burst in. Your neighbor had heard someone screaming and had called them. But don't you see? I didn't get the chance to burn them. They were buried with their heads. The M.E. removed the stakes. They came back. You spoke of proof, Paul. Where is your proof? Look at the photos. Look closely at the faces of Debbie, her brother, and Lance. Okay. What am I supposed to see? But don't they look familiar to you? I thought that vampires couldn't be photographed. There are a lot of myths, mostly due to all the films and TV shows, as well as the books... A stoker came closest with Dracula, and that was uh, that was more of a love story than horror. Why do you say that? Dracula wanted Mina Harker. Lucy Westinra was only a means to an end. And the part about turning into bats? Oh, another myth. However, they cannot go out into the sunlight, and they need the blood of living humans to sustain themselves. That part is very, very true. So why do you think I should see something in the photos? Look close. This one. My wife. She is now the secretary to the warden. This one, my brother-in-law, is the guard that escorted you here. And this one, Lance, is the warden now. I really don't see 
Okay, then. Where is all of the blood? Blood? Well, if you drive a wooden stake into the heart of someone, there's going to be an awful lot of blood, correct? Those pictures show only the bodies on the floor. So where is the blood splatter? Paul, if you drive a stake into anyone's heart, it's going to stop the blood flow. That's why there wasn't a lot of blood. Perhaps you even moved the bodies before the police. I didn't have time. There is no blood because when a person dies, any blood in the system coagulates. It doesn't flow anymore. Vampires do not bleed. Paul, no one does when you stab a stake through their heart. This... this obsession with- Emily, something very bad is going to happen at midnight. I love you, and I don't want you to be here when... when... What is going to happen? According to Nietzsche, whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process, he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. Paul Drake fought back and is now paying the price. I'll be back shortly with Act 3. Dr. Emily Mason sits across a table from Paul Drake and listens quietly. The photographs of his three victims lie in front of her. In another half hour, Paul Drake will be executed. Paul, I want you to listen to me now. Don't you understand? They came back. They are here. Paul, there is a resemblance to each of them but I can assure you that they are not vampires. Let me tell you what I believe. Uh, I'm listening. You say you followed your wife one night and saw Lance Henderson? Henderson? Yes, that was his name. The police tracked his identity down. Now you say that Lance bit your wife and drank her blood, turning her into a vampire? But I did. Just listen. I believe that you did follow your wife. I believe that you saw Lance and her together. Seeing your wife making love to another man set something off in your mind. So why was Lance in my house while my wife was trying to bite me? I believe they were there to tell you that she was leaving you. Her brother was there to make sure that all went well. Which obviously it didn't. Emily, please, just leave before they electrocute me. I'm not sure what those three have in mind. I do know that after leaving their graves, they're probably very hungry. And there will be twelve victims in the viewing room. Paul, I'm sorry that I cannot help you. While I am not a religious person, I will pray for you. Just promise me that you will take a close look at the three people that I told you about. I will, Paul. Goodbye. So, what happened? I don't know. 
I left before the execution. Do you think that he was telling the truth? About the vampires, I mean. I know that he was. How do you know? Because of what happened. You see, I watched the news after the execution. Something did go wrong. There was a fire and everyone burned alive. That's horrible! At least that's what was reported. Obviously, they could not reveal the real story. Haven't you finished yet? I was just finishing. Cheryl, I would like you to meet my husband, Paul. <laughs> not Paul Drake. That would be impossible. You still haven't told her, have you? Patience, my love. You see, Cheryl, Debbie really wanted her husband to join them. They planned it out very carefully. Planned what? They had been feeding on me until I finally turned. So you see, Cheryl, Paul was already dead. However, he was very hungry. Twelve people, twelve meals, three for each of us. Of course, we can't have a world full of vampires. What would we feed on then? Paul, I'm getting really hungry. I'm so glad that we met Cheryl. I'll be missed! Too many people know me! I could get you victims! Oh, we like to refer to them as donors. We would only take a small amount from you. You would forget about it. However, I found Emily and turned her just the other day. So, as you can see, she is very, very hungry. Cheryl watches in horror as her hosts descend upon her. She feels the teeth bite into the soft flesh of her neck and hears the slurping noise that Emily makes as she drinks her fill. I'll be back shortly. I leave you to the horrors of your own imagination with a quote from Primo Levi. Monsters exist, but they are too few in number to be truly dangerous. More dangerous are the common men, the functionaries ready to believe and to act without questions. Our cast included Raven Adams, Crimson McKenzie, William Stafford, Annie Nick, Brenna Faith, and Mark Wheeler. The story was edited by Crimson McKenzie, and the entire production was under the direction of Winslow Swan. And now, a preview of our next tale. Oh, come on, Dad. You can't be serious. Deadly serious, Mark. It's been exactly ten years since the last sighting, and the strange occurrences around here have begun again. Dr. Coleman, do you really believe that there is some sort of entity that haunts that field? My dearest Evie, I know that there really is a shadow man. Doorway to Nightmare is brought to you in part by Swanage Press. This is your host, 
inviting you to return with us through the doorway to Nightmare for another adventure into the world of your terrifying imagination. Until next time, slumber peacefully. Epilogue. The butler did it. <laughs>